Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's put the coronavirus aside for a moment and let's forget the short-term massive drop in oil prices. Let's take a longer-term view. We know energy is limited on this planet, but it's also been getting cheaper, not just lately, but in the longer term. So... That means we can use more of it because it's costing less. And we know if we put the price up, because we think we should, it's the poor who suffers the most. That's what sparked the riots in Paris. So, short of placing limits on the amount of energy we all consume, how do we limit our appetite for energy? And can we do it without destroying the world economy? More than has been done by the coronavirus. And importantly, can we do it when power creation and distribution is largely in the hands of private companies? We're going to look at all of that today on the Debunking economics podcast so steve i guess there's uh, there's two stories there isn't there one is our use of power and the other is who owns our energy companies energy companies obviously mm. want us to pay more so either they're going to charge us more uh, but they're in competition with other power companies so it makes it hard for them to do that uh that keeps prices down so the only thing is to get our usage up uh theoretically you know that's that's where we are that's not a good place to be is it really not at all i mean and, and we've, we've again i blame economists particular william nordhaus for us being in the situation we're in uh, because the load we're putting on the planet fundamentally comes down to the amount of energy we're extracting out of the planet and dumping into the biosphere and the impact that has upon the ecosystem in general. And if you go back um, 50 years, which is roughly when the limits to growth came out, then fast forward from there, we've pretty much doubled population and doubled energy consumption per head, which means our load on the planet is four times what it was back then. And that is a major part of why we're having climate breakdown right now. Mm. It's, it's really dumping too much energy into the biosphere and, and extracting too much from it and damaging the web of life on which our economy depends. Uh, that whole concept is completely absent from mainstream economics. And yet, you know, uh, you, you think you look at governments and, and they're trying to protect us against rising power prices because... Mm. First of all, you know, old people can't afford to heat their homes mm. in, in winter, perhaps, but also it holds back companies as well in terms of, the, you know, how much output they can produce which mm. and the impact that has on the economy. But prices are actually going up in the UK. If we, uh, the average annual electricity bill in the UK in 1996 for a household that was using 6,000 kilowatt hours was, in real terms, about £344 a year. Mm. That bill, uh, so obviously adjusted for inflation, the same energy consumption today, the cost is £972. So that is a threefold increase over and above the you know the, the inflation over those years. Mm. So we are paying more for it, but we are also consuming a, a similar amount as well. Interestingly, we're not actually pushing up our consumption at the household level now. Even yeah. at, even at a even at a company level, I don't think yeah. we are too much. So it's sort of leveled off. So does that mean it's less of an issue? No, now? because it's it's been relocated to China, 
And, uh, and and so if you look at the energy consumption per head in America, that peaked in about 1973. Yeah, which was of course the first oil oil crunch. Still, by the way, about twice what it is in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Same um, in Australia, about twice what it is in the UK. Yeah. So the energy consumption per head has stabilised, while to some extent GDP has risen. However, when you look at it, of course, one of our earlier conversations, um, the workers haven't seen the increase in their standard of living. Particularly, it's been stagnant at pretty much 1970s level. Yeah, uh, for most of the most of the um, Anglo-Saxon countries, and they've been and their power bills have gone up as at well at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we, we are getting really caught in a quandary because nothing happens without energy. Mm. This is the again the, the blind spot in mainstream economic theory. Nothing happens without energy, and yet what we're doing because of energy is generating waste. Uh, the not. not not necessarily the worst form of that is the use generation of carbon dioxide as a waste. Because there's plenty of other waste products we're pumping into the environment as well, which are damaging the capacity of the, of the environment to support our economy, which is you know, that, that, that's, that's the, the major danger we face mm. uh, right now. So you, you have, if you have private companies in charge of energy pr- production, and distribution, they're going to slog as much of the stuff as they damn well can. Yeah. Okay. And that's the danger. We are flogging well, too two, much of it already. Yeah. And there's two issues there, isn't there? Yeah. Because on the on the one side, yes, they're going to because they've got to make money. They're going to sell as mm. much as they possibly can, mm. uh, and they are going to push prices up as far as they can as well. Obviously, because they want to they want to make a, a, a profit. But uh, there's also the whole issue about because uh, this is such an essential um, and it's such an inelastic good. Yeah, particularly mm. you, you you know you get amongst poor people they do need to heat their house mm. they've got no choice so there's also the issue that obviously private companies are less concerned about which is not a, a, a question about the planet it's a question about the distribution of wealth mm. the bottom quintile of households spend about 10% of their income on energy the top quintile spend about 2% of their income on it so if you push the price up even more because you think well we've got to push the price up because that's how we're going to control usage then you're just going to hit the poor, and that's what's happened with the gilets jaunes yep, in France. Exactly. And, yep. that's, and, and that's the dilemma about using carbon pricing and indeed using using um, carbon taxation because that is an impost on the cost of the energy, which falls most on the poor. Yeah, and uh, there's simply no way that's going to work. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm a critic of the idea of carbon taxes because that would work. If you didn't have the situation you've just outlined a moment ago, that the yeah. poor spend ten percent, the rich spend two percent, but in fact, in terms of the contribution, in terms of energy consumption and carbon dioxide generated, the rich generate far more than the poor do. Hmm. So you have to find you have to find some system that imposes that limit on the rich rather than on the poor. So what do you do? So the government. So one thing the government's tried to do, hmm. but they haven't done it very well, hmm. is say, well, okay, we'll introduce price caps in the UK. So uh, yeah. we'll protect, you know, people being charged too much for power, mm. not looking at the planet, just looking at, you know, how, mm. uh, how old people can afford to heat their homes. But mm. what they do is they take the average wholesale price, which moves up and down, mm. and then they say, OK, you can have an extra margin for profit mm. on top of that. And there's got to be some plans available which are at that level. But, of course, that's adjusted for wholesale price. So uh, people, you know, you're just moving the, the, the lowest prices um, I, I'm not sure if that achieves too much. No, really. I mean, my, I mean, my, my feeling has become that we we simply can't price, we can't find the right price for carbon. 
mm. whole idea that, 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 and this is again neoclassical thinking, set the price right and everything else follows. So whack on a price for the externality and everything will work out fine. Mm. No concept of the distribution of income inside that, okay? Using supply and demand curve intersecting. You're not looking at the individual impact of the distribution of wealth that's involved in that. So, so when, does that mean we can't similarly find a, the right price for energy in that case? Yeah, potentially. Uh, you, you, you want a price which gives you a positive return, but in terms of the, such a thing as the right price, no way. My, my line always used to be, what price of carbon is going to stop us melting Antarctica? Now, you can't know that. Mm. What you can know to some degree with rather more precision is what quantity of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is going to melt Antarctica. And that means that you actually, you're better off working, easier to work out a ration per head than it is to work out a price mm. per litre. Uh, and and that is what I'm now arguing in favour of. We should actually have but that's two prices. Big rash, rationing use. So yeah, well, rationing is coming. I mean, my we we have. I mean, I know that we've got some climate change sceptics on, on on the Patreon supporters. So uh, you're not going to agree with this. Um, but we have so massively over uh, dumped carbon into the environment uh, and and many other loads on the on the planet as well that we are going to be forced to ration at some point mm. uh, because we're going to say we, we, the, the, the catastrophes like, with the, the, like the wildfires in Australia and California, uh, the floods we're seeing in the UK, all this climate volatility is going to become so extreme at some point, whether it causes like you know, massive deaths, like if, for example, if the, if the, um, the uh, uh, monsoons fail in India, and you get mass starvation there, and then you get a, an invasion of you know, Bangladesh, be mm. invading India and India responding and Pakistan. Well, that sort of horror, okay, is potentially coming our way. And at some point, we're going to say we've got to drastically cut back our load on the planet. Therefore, we have to ration carbon. Yeah. And I would, I would go for a parallel price system, where uh, as well as buying stuff in with money, you also bought it with carbon, and everybody gets exactly the same carbon ration per mm. capita ration across an entire society. When you buy, you buy with carbon and you buy with money. You can run out of one or the other. You set the ration at such a level. The rich are then just going to buy the carbon from the poor, aren't That's they? right. Right. Okay. It would be, be a way that you would impose the, bur the burden of right. limiting carbon consumption on those who are actually consuming So even it. if you ignored climate change, even if you thought climate change isn't happening, you yeah. just look at the, 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 the intrinsic problem where you've got poor people who are spending a, a higher proportion yeah. of their income and it's mm. getting hard for them to pay to keep their house warm and yeah. then you've got wealth people who value the energy less because mm. it's such a small proportion and so they can go crazy uh, and and not feel the hurt yeah um, and they actually get an income stream out of it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They yeah. could, the poorer people could the, get an the income stream. The poor would then be selling their unused carbon rations to yeah. the rich. Yeah. And like to, to me, what we've done by mm. having a total, a total free market attitude to the planet is that we're 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 consuming far more of the planet's resources yeah. than is sustainable for the bio biosystem of the planet over time. Whether you forget about car, even forget about carbon dioxide, forget about uh, warming, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. The sheer load we're putting on the planet's biology yeah. is 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 in incredible. Apparently, something of the order of ninety percent of the mass of mammals on the planet, mass of animals, quite possibly, including reptiles, ninety percent of that mass is humans or animals bred by humans for consumption or some other use. Uh, so we're living 10% of the mass of the planet now is the wild kingdom. Mm. Now, for a sustainable planet, we may find that we should be using maybe 20%. We have to reserve a huge part of the planet for non-exploitation 
by humans. Yeah. Whether, whether you're talking a socialist system, a capitalist system, or a feudal system, I don't care. Uh, it's just simply one species can't be putting that much of a load on the biosystem without making the biosystem break down. So we, so we keep our climate change denying uh, audience happy, just yeah. for a second. Yeah. I mean, let's go just back to this redistribution exercise. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember whether it was on this podcast or or elsewhere. I'm mm-hmm. going to... Um, but, the, but the idea that... Um, it's going to raise the question, if we are going to ration or limit energy supply mm, in yeah. some way, can we do it while we've still got it in private hands? Mm. Maybe we can. The um, Somebody gave the analogy. It might have been you. It might have been someone we were talking yeah. to. It might have been something I read. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that at the moment, uh, energy systems, I think it was, I think I remember it now, energy systems are uh, a, a one-way system. So basically, you've got a private company that uh, generates the, the electricity mm. and pumps it down the wires to us, and, and we are yeah. the recipients of like it. It's like water coming down from a dam. But, yeah. but it, perhaps it should be operating more like the internet. So I've got solar cells on my roof. Someone else mm. might have another form of creating power, uh, and they uh, and it needs to be more of an interchange. So I can actually sell my mm. power to my next door neighbour. Mm. It's only a short distance away. Less distri- less mm. loss in distribution lines. Uh, I might uh, I might need power during the day. Other people need mm. it at night. And so you start to have a, a system where you are you're bartering and exchanging energy. And if you had a quota system. Um, where people were buying and selling energy that they're entitled to, then that would support that sort of ecosystem, doesn't it? So maybe we just need to change the power grid so it goes, rather than being one way, it goes every way. Well, that's something one of the difficulties of going across to a, a distributed power system is that fundamentally you can think about the current power distribution system as a dam with with at a high altitude with pipes coming down to mm. houses at low altitude and now you're trying to push it in the reverse direction. That's why the grid has a hard time adapting to solar power and and wind power as distributed uh, power sources going back through that system. It just isn't designed as a a level network. You need a like you need a level a system of canals rather than a system of pipes and pumps. Well, it wants to be like the internet. Wants to be, it needs to be a peer to peer system. But that, that's a huge change in the actual structure of the the, the infrastructure of the uh, the power grid we currently use. Right. But, but it'd the, be a big step forward, wouldn't it? It'd be a big step forward. But it, it, we've got to, what we all have to do. I think is take a big step back. Mm. I mean, <laughs> we we have to reserve. At least half the planet for the wild. What we we, we you know, if you were doing David Attenborough, he'd call the wild kingdom. Mm. Okay, that much of the planet has to be untouched by humans. Now, if you have a a, a capitalist system uh, where it, it's just go in and get the stuff up and dig it up for profit, then it's going to push itself past that point, which mm. is what we've done. Like for example, one country I spent a fair bit of time in uh, was Ecuador, and while uh, Carrera was the prime was the president, um, he was. They found a, a new source of oil in the upper each reaches of the Amazon basin, which is in Ecuador, and he proposed that the rest of the world pay Ecuador to not exploit that resource. And nothing was forthcoming, so finally they go and reluctantly mine the oil. Now, if you get to the point you say, well, in terms of sustainability of the biosphere, for our species to exist on a planet which can have evolution continuing and have other life forms existing uh, and not being, you know, have the, the habitats destroyed by humans, we have to limit ourselves to X percent of the planet. I really think that X is well below 50%. We're currently well over, and in terms of the percentage of the renewable planet we're looking at, the capacity of the planet to regenerate itself every year. Uh, if you include carbon, the carbon load, then what's called the human ecological footprint calculates that at about 160% of the planet per year. Even if you leave the carbon out, it's still 80% of that scale. We have to get back to low 50. Uh, you're not going to do it with a free enterprise system. You're going to have to say there are, we are imposing constraints above and beyond 
uh, the market system well, you alone. Can have it, you, but the market system can exist, but just not in energy. We're yeah. going to say. Well, the market system can exist, but not no more than half the planet. Right. Uh, and and to, to, we're not going to get there voluntarily. We're not going to make that decision. We're going to we're going to crash into the consequences of going well beyond those limits, and then we're going to have to realise that we have to consider this planet as a system as a whole uh, to be sustained independent of what humans can take off it. But if you've got a rationing system and you're buying and selling it, then you are going to get huge abuse of, of market power happening right there as well. Well, I see the market, the that, that's, why, that's why I like the, the, the concept of using something like central bank digital currencies, hmm. make them not in money, but make them in carbon rations. Everybody gets a carbon ration, which you could initially start at well over the average. Everybody gets well over the average for the country which means only people who are well above the average actually end up having to buy carbon credits off others, which means the wealthy have to buy off the poor. And you have a redistribution system partly reflecting the, the need to, to restrain the load we put on the planet and imposing it on those who are currently put in excessive load, which is not the poor, it's the rich. Mm. They're, going to not, they're not going to pay much. They're going to pay well below. The, 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 the wealthy are going to... One wonders. Screw, I mean, the, screw the poor. On well, this, well, they're going to try. But if you, I mean, there's one case you could use a market system as a control on a market system. Hmm. Because if you, if you say there's a per capita ration and that ration reflects the load that humanity should be putting on the planet, uh, then because of the distribution of, of money, monetary wealth, which of course follows you know, hmm. a, a power law and even a hyper power law, hmm. then only the wealthy are going to be the ones who find that being imposed to restrain their consumption. And I guess, you know, you look at the utility getting out of it. So the, the very poor person is going to value their energy far more than the rich person. Hmm. They're, going to, they're actually not going to sell it cheap because they do need it more than the rich person yeah. does. Yeah, so, so it's a potential redistribution mechanism. Uh, I, I can't see it coming in before we cause an environmental crunch of catastrophic proportions. Hmm. Uh, But I would like it to be there before that happens. So when ration is necessary, we have a system to ration. So how is this different to the idea of uh, a carbon tax? Because the carbon tax just simply adds additional dollar price on whatever you're buying. But the the cap and trade idea was that there would would be a cap placed on that. Yeah, but I mean, those things always work incredibly slowly. Hmm. And the poor have got to apply for the money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, People just don't... It's not too different idea to no, the idea of the cap and trade. It's massively different because you get a ration right. per head. Yeah. Saying, Here's your- the idea of the cap and trade was you can, you can only emit so much carbon and we're going to reduce it year on year. Uh, yeah. And uh, so you've got to trade it. If you're if you're yeah, the, if you the, want to the, use the, more, you've got to buy it off somebody who's using less. But you acquire it. You've got to acquire it as well. Yeah. Whereas a carbon rationing would be combined with a carbon grant. Mm. Effectively, everybody gets mm. this is the amount of carbon you're allowed to use. Anything above that, you've got to buy in an open market. Uh, well, for most people, the amount they'd be get given to use would be more than they currently consume. Mm. It'd only be the super wealthy who consume more than. Do you know that. what? It doesn't sound that revolutionary to me. It's I not did. a huge shift, but it, it, it's, it's, it's the, rather than universal basic income, it's universal basic carbon. Yeah. Okay. Or just universal basic energy, isn't it? Really, I mean, yeah, take, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. take take the carbon because then you you know you can because well, then you're not because you can argue both ways. Then you can either say, well, it's because we want to have less carbon mm. pumped into the atmosphere, or you could just be saying, well, energy is a limited resource and we need to ensure that it's being distributed. Yeah, I mean, the, the evenly. Main, the main reason you have the carbon there at the moment is because of the impact of carbon dioxide on the planet, the temperature of the planet. Yeah, and this is the part that most people don't comprehend. Um, the scale of energy where not energy we're generating ourselves and dumping in the environment that matters at the moment 
on that same scale. It's the amount of extra solar energy we're trapping. Yeah. And that's what's causing the increase in the temperature of the planet, which will change the climate in ways that neoclassical economists are simply incapable of comprehending from my reading of them. So th- not only are uh, energy prices going up and, you know, energy usage is varies enormously between rich and poor, mm. you know, the amount of money spent as a proportion of their income. Mm. Uh, it obviously also changes a great deal by country as well. So if we the average, uh, I, I quoted the bill for 6,000 kilowatt hours in the UK, but actually the average consumption in the UK is only about 5,000 kilowatt hours. Mm. In the USA, it's 13 thousand mm. uh their home bills are actually much less as well so they're mm. using uh two and a half times more and they're paying less for it in, mm. the, in the united mm. states because i guess because the competition is so much greater uh the usa is uh, energy self-sufficient as well whereas the uk is having to import it mm. uh americans would see this as a you know a great reason to live in america better lifestyle we've got more access to energy it also means their lifestyle is more fragile Mm. If we do find we have to drastically cut back energy consumption, it's not going to matter to somebody in Bangladesh. Yeah. It will matter to somebody in America. So the sustainability... Well, they're never going to buy it for that reason. Uh, no, 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 that's why it will never happen for that reason. That it, that well, it won't, it won't happen voluntarily. It won't happen across a, a global scale. Okay? Yeah. Uh, before place goes to hell in a handbasket. Right. By which time it's possibly too late. That's why I'd like to have the structures in place beforehand. Yeah. I want to see those central bank digital currencies... At least the structures exist because I think they'll become the ration cards of a of a post climate crisis world. But it's but it is the the difference, isn't it, between rich and poor mm. at a at a country level and between countries. Yeah. So here you've got you know in Britain we're using very little mm. in a, in Australia and America they're about huge the same amounts. using yeah. huge amounts. You've got poor countries that uh, suddenly discover they've got energy reserves and mm. they they're, they're going to dig them up because they want to make some money because mm. they haven't got anything else. Mm. They've got no choice and unless as you were suggesting earlier countries say well okay let's chip in and and pay them not to. Mm. But people in America are not going to do that. What pay not to create energy but we're using so much of it and it's so good for us. I mean yeah. it's such a huge mind shift. Perhaps less of a mind shift I think in 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 the UK but in places like America a big mind shift. Yeah, and that's the trouble we we, we because we've actually ignored energy in our thinking about the economy we haven't realized the extent to which our lifestyles depend upon this enormous energy consumption and once that becomes obvious that that's the reason why we're wealthy and if we can't continue it anymore then there's going to be a plunge in living standards uh, quite a massive plunge mm. and the thing i like about the idea of a carbon rationing system is that at the moment as we saw with the gilet jaune it's incredibly hard to bring a tax in yeah. Because it hits the poor, they'll revolt for good reason, and you get the, the chaos we're seeing in France these days if you don't watch the BBC, uh, where well, you don't see anything wrong in France at all. Uh, but if you if mm. you bring in a carbon rationing system, 99% of the population could benefit from it. Yeah. Only the 1% would find it being an impost on their living standards. So it's politically, I think it's actually a feasible thing to bring in. And does that help answer the question about, you know, the, the level of productivity that comes from energy? So at, at the one side, you know, you've got to use it to heat a home. And that's mm, a, mm. you know, maybe that's a good use uh, unless, you, you know. But somebody who's got lots of energy might keep lots of lights on. Similarly, there's businesses. Well, they, they keep their, they keep their uh, personal, their private jet running at uh, yeah. Heathrow. And the, and the central heating uh, on all, all hours of the day and night. But then there's also energy that's used for business as well, you know, yeah. which, which creates uh, and, uh, wealth for the economy. And so. that's the thing which, I mean, we're going to have to find ourselves rationing. Like, again, if you look at what happens during the Second World War, 
rationing came in so that as much of the resources as possible devoted to fighting the fighting the Nazis. Mm. Um, the same thing will apply this time round. We have to reserve what we're going to start we- fighting the Nazis again. Huh? No, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm you sure lose, you lose, I'm, you lose lots the of people would like to. <laughs> but you know, using what energy resources we have to radically alter mm. our energy production, so we decarbonise as fast as possible. So but does at that the same that, time reduce energy consumption? So do overall. your ration applies to business as well? In that case, yeah, well, it, yeah. at, at the same level. So we say whether you're a, a home user. Or, or a business where you're, you're going to get rationed. But that's the it's easy to imagine how you can ration on a per capita basis. It's hard to work out how you ration on a corporate basis. Yeah. But something that, like in terms of a circulation system where the companies would need to buy off the, off the population, that may work as a way of bringing it. I don't know yet. But it's just it's something I think it, it's time has to happen because mm. if we're going to survive as a culture, survive as a, as a species, we have to reduce our, first of all, our carbon load to stop trapping too much solar energy, but then wind back the load we're putting on the planet uh, to the stage where the biosphere can can support us as the dominant predator. So if it was actually allocated to individuals and then companies had to buy from those individuals, there's a universal basic income sorted out right there, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're giving you universal basic income. It's a certain amount of energy. Yeah, and that's you can sell that to the corporations and sell it to the wealthy. Yeah, I'm just worried about people sitting there with lots of clothes on, freezing to death, old ladies freezing to death because they're selling to to corporate America or corporate, corporate Britain. But yeah, I guess it. I guess it could work. But is it a how big an issue is it though when uh, consumption is in the home is actually falling? You know, in the UK anyway, average uh, uh, household electricity consumption has gone from four point six thousand kilowatt hours in two thousand and eight to three point eight thousand kilowatt hours in two thousand and eighteen. This is just for electricity. So we've got gas mm. on top of that. Mm. In the US, even total energy consumption seems to have levelled off since about two thousand and five. So mm. we're not consuming more. But I guess the fact is what we are consuming is too, too much, much anyway. Yeah, we've got to reduce that. Yeah. All right. Well, I wonder if that's going to work. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's a, the problem is we get back again, don't we, to it only works with global government and no one wants that. You've got, well, to, you you've could, got to apply it universally. You could, you could apply You could bring it at the national level. Okay, you don't have to bring it at the global level, but you could bring it at the national level once you realise just how catastrophic the future we face is mm. unless we reduce our load on the planet. I mean, even like the coronavirus is not caused by global warming, okay? What it is caused by is the fact that we make up 90% of the, of the animal mass of the planet, us and our animals, and therefore for a pathogen, we're the perfect place to develop to expand. Mm. Uh, the pathogens aren't going to be developing in lions because they're dying out. They're going to develop in humans. So we are partly, this is the, this is the planet getting even for the load we're putting on the planet. So for those people who like the idea that uh, that that companies are private concerns, that that that, that elect- electricity companies and the like are private mm. concerns, uh, I mean maybe this this idea of rationing could could almost could almost work. You sort of like because there's is in a way you, you're inhibiting their their performance with with price caps. Yeah, you. Yeah, so you. so it's, it's it's almost like working the same. We'll say, well, okay, you can, yeah. so you can still make a profit out of this, uh, yeah. but you've got to work within these constraints. That's right, and like in, in in that sense, like in neoclassicals when they when they talked about uh, like how you said interest rates, for example, mm. uh, the, the argument is well, controlling the quantity of money is identical to controlling the price if you reach the same point. Now, in the same way, you can say, well, setting a price on carbon can be identical to setting. We've got a helicopter going over yeah, here. Yeah, I know. That's a very loud. Use of energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, think 
goodness that must be very low we own a soundproof room here and that's uh yeah that's, that's one a, hell that's of a loud a, helicopter yeah we okay. knock out 65 decibels of sound and we can still hear the helicopter yeah yeah is it landing in the back garden it feels oh, like is, it is it, have we said something wrong <laughs> but yeah we have to <laughs> rush. coming to take us away there's a classic case of needing to ration energy yeah. but yeah i think we, we we simply have to reduce the load on the planet Mm. ultimately and a rationing system uh, we, we, we cannot know the amount of carbon that's going to stop I mean, we can't know the price of carbon that'll stop us melting Antarctica we can know the quantity yeah okay so I think in that sense I prefer a quantity target uh, it was if we'd done this 50 years ago when the limits of growth first came out we could have used the price mechanism so do you know what we, there, there have been experimentations into universal basic income I can see how these two ideas can work together yeah. so well you know because you are basically saying yes here's yeah. your money it just happens to be an energy use it yeah. how, how you see fit by in a in an open market for yeah. whoever's going to be and the to, price will develop to, out of the rationing system and the price can be what gives you that universal basic income yeah and uh, and everyone's level we start yeah. on a level playing field for what is actually most important for for, for everybody which yeah. is which is energy so we've we've there have been experiments with universal basic income there's mm. no reason why you couldn't experiment with this with universal take, basic energy uh, you, yeah. yeah take a town give it a go see yep. what happens yep uh, yeah, well, okay. You heard it here first. I, first, time, first time I heard this. Did you think this yourself? or you, Is this all out of your own head? It's out of – I came up with it, and then I found there's a guy who's uh, independently came up with the same concept with – he has a website called Total Carbon Rationing. Right. So I suggest people take a look at that website. Uh, it, it, it's something I've only realised in the last few months, mm. just by, again, realising just how suicidally bad economic analysis has been of, the, of climate change, uh, and then thinking – how do we turn it around and pricing is not going to work, rationing does. And then this guy, Adam, I've forgotten his second name, uh, Adam has already come up with a similar concept and working out a carbon rationing scheme. And I think we need it. Yeah, but how do you stop just the, the inputs into that? So how do you how do you say, well, okay, there's enough. There's no need for anybody to produce well, for example, any more energy, we, we know, energy now. Well, for example, we know we've got the 12-year target to, you know, if we want to keep the level of global warming below two degrees, yeah. we know what the level well, yeah, of the, Exactly, we know what we're aiming for, but how yeah. do we stop people producing energy? We're saying, well, okay, well, that's this the, is the that's total the amount that the UK requires. Yeah. But how, so, so the UK just says, well, okay, the government this is, is our carbon buy it, budget and we're going to buy it the government's going to buy it and we'll we, control it so that's, that's the limit okay right. and then we, we don't care what the price works out to be no. uh, everybody gets a per capita so allowance if you're, if you're america and you're trying to flog energy to us forget it we've used up yeah. as much yeah okay it's yeah. going to push the price of energy up of course isn't it well yeah but i think the rich should be paying the price not the poor yeah okay interesting very good. I like that. Okay. Uh, interesting one to think more about. And look, it would be interesting to see what people listening think about that yeah. idea, yeah. particularly those who are climate change deniers. I mean, you yeah. have to accept the fact that there's still a limited supply of energy on the planet and we want to make use of it for the best or the, purpose. Or, or the load we're putting on the planet. I mean, again, uh, things like insectageddon, which apparently is mostly more due to light than energy use. Um the pollution we're doing with nitrogen pollution, the pollution we're doing with plastics, mm. uh, we're putting an enormous load on the planet. Mm. And uh, you can de- you know, go ahead and deny that carbon dioxide has any impact, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, wiping out the insects, which is happening right now, uh, wiping uh, plastic pollution in the environment, uh, the nitrogen pollution we're doing as well. Uh, all these things are damaging the capacity of the biosphere. And we are certainly the cause of all of those things. And we... We are, we, the planet doesn't give a 
brass razoo about us. Okay? Mm. We're just a species that might be driving itself and other species extinct. That's happened many, many times in the planet's past. But this is the time where the species itself is doing it to itself. And aside from all of that, yeah. you know, the idea that we we all live on a planet where the energy is ultimately provided from the sun. Yeah. Uh, why should anyone have a greater claim to that than anybody else? Yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it comes back to saying the free gift of nature hmm. being what should be shared evenly. Should be shared. Well, should be should be our, our use of it should be limited to what can be sustained on the planet itself. And then, until such time as we ultimately, hmm. I think we we have to move off planet uh, in terms of where we produce, not necessarily where we live. Uh, that until we do that, then we have to limit how much we dump. Mm. and how much we exploit of the energy and the biosphere, and we're doing too much of both. All right, good. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Steve. Welcome. And in case you're worried that uh, we sounded in close proximity there, that was actually recorded before we had to socially distance ourselves. Now we are quite well socially distanced because I'm in Surrey and Steve is in Thailand, but that's not going to stop us talking. We'll be back again with another Debunking Economics podcast very soon. Thanks for listening. 